I'm Felina Jean, and this is Black Broads Abroad. I'm an international woman of leisure who said peace out to the United States in 2011, and I have not looked back except at this ass, honey. Since then, I've lived on four continents with travel to over 40 countries. Along my journey, I've come to know some very compelling black women from all over the world who also said fuck you to their comfort zones. I created this podcast to inspire black women in the diaspora to take risks and live their very best lives. LaTanya has been a fixture and a leader within the African-American community in Japan for 15 years. She, along with her husband, David, are the founders of the prominent soul food house restaurant in Tokyo that has long been a central destination for black for the black community to gather. In many ways, the inspiration to build Legacy Foundation Japan comes from the relationships and opportunities unlocked at Soul Food House. The restaurant is a unique place that both Tokyo veterans and new arrivals frequent to eat, love, filled food, connect with the culture of home and network as well. A native of Mississippi, Latanya holds a master's degree in divinity and counseling. Her work and passions have always revolved around bringing people together. Latanya is also the visionary behind the Legacy Foundation Japan. Welcome, Latanya. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I am so happy to have you. So, I mean, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. So like my first question, obviously, is how have things been for you, you know, during this past year and a half almost? Oh, my goodness. It is. uh, It's been crazy. Uh, We're actually closed right now. Um, The restaurant, we're in a state of emergency here in Japan and or at least in Tokyo area. And so we've decided to uh, close our restaurant for uh, the month of June. So we've, I've kind of been getting some rest. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> oh no. Yes, yes. But it has been, Japan has been really good about taking care of us and uh, providing with, uh, providing good subsidies to make sure that we can pay our rent and pay uh, the bills and make, take care of our employees. So we okay. That's excellent. That's, and we're going to get into like the standards of living, um, later in the interview but i mean if you're i mean you know sometimes we just have to rest it might be a blessing in disguise it's like a slingshot you know (laughs) it it really has been you know in the beginning uh this has been going on a year you know what i mean so you know pockets are getting kind of tight now you know because uh in the very first beginning it was one of those things that no one was sure what to do uh, should we close? Should we stay open? And then staying open, it was just hard. It was really, really hard, uh, just mentally. I think it's been mentally challenging on everyone. Um, but um, like I say, a year in uh, or more, we're just kind of making our way and feeling our way in. Um, and our community has been very, very supportive of uh, Soulful House. We're a community restaurant and the community is making sure we stay okay. That's that's excellent. But that's also uh, indicative of what you've contributed to your community. So 
You have such an interesting background, as I read in your bio. You're from Mississippi. You're a theologian. You own a soulful restaurant in Japan. You're the founder of the Legacy Center, which is an organization that um, connecting, investing, and empowering the Black diaspora in Japan. You like, girl, what don't you do? So, <laughs> so can you take us, can you take us back just a little bit to provide us. Just some overall context about your trajectory. What was your life growing up? Um, what was your life like growing up in Mississippi? Oh, my goodness. Um, Mississippi was home. So, you know, I grew up loving family. Um, my family, my immediate family was quite tight. Um, actually, I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Uh, and so for me, um, I was always the person who would try to take care of other people. Um, I was um, molested by someone within my church. And someone told me, that person told me that uh, if I said something, I would destroy my father's ministry. And I felt like from a childhood, I had to protect him. And it was, uh, and I would do it again because I I never want to go or want anyone to go through that kind of trauma. Uh, however, uh, I would always, because I knew my family loved me, I would do whatever I could to protect them. So I grew up trying to make sure that, um, I don't know, just being a protector of people. But I love people regardless to the kind of uh, experiences that I had over the years, uh, especially in my young childhood. Um, it was, I, I, let me say this, I would protect my father again, but I never want to go through my childhood again. <laughs> uh, wow. It's one of those things of, uh, so my mother, it's kind of generational. So the uh, kind of things that I went through, there were some things that my family have gone through as well. So, but my mother made it a point to make sure that uh, she tried to protect us and tried to uh, make sure she was always there. So we were kind of a very, very close, immediate family. I'll say that. But there was just certain things, you know, in the Black community you just don't talk about. Um, And so I, my mother, I love her so dearly because as I was growing up, she used to always tell me to remember who you are. And so that's kind of something that I've taken with and kind of stand on and share that message uh, with people who are around me on today. Uh, you know, just, you know, not to be ashamed of my story, whether if my beginnings were uh, difficult, but to be able to share who I am, because I think people need other individuals to be transparent about who they are so that they can even say, okay, if she made it, then maybe I can too. So I've decided to empower uh to strengthen myself by telling my story to help others to feel to know that they can be the best version of themselves and uh yeah and just be you know be happy accept who you are accept your story you don't have to keep reliving it but uh if it was bad if it was good celebrate that if there were some things you didn't like you know it's okay it was a part of your story don't be ashamed of it but take ownership of it yeah, so that's me in a nutshell. Wow. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. That was very vulnerable of you to share. Um, so you've lived in Japan for 15 years now. What actually what actually brought you to Tokyo? Mission work. 
I went to school. Really? In, yeah, I went to school in Atlanta uh, with a Japanese pastor and his wife, and they were just like, "Hey, can you bring over the youth group over to Japan?" And so we brought about twenty five kids over to Japan. And then when my husband and I uh, we're there. We just decided we wanted to come back, and you know, you think you're gonna. It's, I think when you're an expat in the beginning, in the beginning, I think all of us say we're just gonna go for two years, <laughs> and it just don't work. <laughs> <laughs> two turn into five, five turn into ten, and then now we at sixteen. So you know, <laughs> almost sixteen years. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, that's an interest. So wow, that's so interesting. So. But when you, when you got there, was there a, a huge cultural adjustment? What if any challenges did you encounter acclimating to the culture? Oh, my goodness. You know what? After, I think, uh, the first three months of being in Japan, I was like, hey, this is not for me. I got to go home. Um, I, and it was, if I wasn't here with my husband, I probably would have left earlier in the stage of life. Uh, my, uh, when you get here... Being that I was close with my family or in the community, you just pretty much, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you say, good morning. And in Japan, you say, oh, hi, gozaimasu. And when you're going like, oh, hi, yo. And then no one speaks to you. You're thinking, okay, is something wrong? Did I, you know, did I, did I you know, I don't know. And it was very hard to become a part of the, of the community in the beginning. But um, we kept trying and I remember the day that we were actually planning that I told my husband, I said, I'm done. I'm ready to go. Um, he told me, he said, Hey, come outside. And I was like, I don't want to go outside. He said, let's take a walk. I don't want to go take a walk. I really am ready to go home and be with my family. I'm missing the family reunions. I'm missing everything. And then, um, when I went outside, um, all the bikes were parked in our, uh, garage and you have to understand there was a big fight in our neighborhood and uh, uh, we lived up on the hill and there was uh, the bikes, the people who lived down below would park their bikes at the top and streets in Japan in, are quite small. And so um, it was, uh, they were arguing and we said, you know what, we have a garage. You can park your bikes here, but no one would do it. And then one morning, the day that I was planning on, I was done, uh, the neighbor across the street uh, moved the bikes in. And then he told everybody, this is the bike parking area. After that, he invited us to the community meeting. And he said, hello, everybody. These are the Whitakers. Whitakers, this is a community. The Whitakers are good people. Let's welcome the Whitakers. And from that moment on, our life changed. Wow. Was this an expat or a Japanese person? It's a Japanese person. Wow. That's great. So you were ingratiated into the community at that point. And so the difference, yeah. Um, okay. I, this wasn't, I actually was not a prepared question, but so you left, you went on a mission trip initially, but yes. you went back. What did you do professionally when you went back? Well, I was a youth minister at a church and I also worked as a chaplain at a cardiac hospitals, uh, in, uh, Atlanta. So, okay, I, yeah. So I was the one who, could um, I, I was the one who went into heart um, open heart surgeries or uh, different ones that, to be able to um, do the communication between the families and then the surgeons because the surgery took a long time. So I was the one who went into surgery. I was also the one who talked to patients when they were had to be awake during certain procedures to make sure that 
um, you know, everything that they're, uh, they were able to communicate well. Um, and then once a, a doctor gives you a diagnosis, the doctor can't stay. So I was the one who helped explain and uh, help them to make the decision that they needed to make. So this is I, in Atlanta or Japan. This was in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. So, but in Japan, so what did you do professionally in Japan when you got oh, there? When you get to Japan, it don't matter. When you get here, uh, I actually, we came straight to be missionaries and then uh, to do the volunteer work. But then because of visa issues, um, I ended up teaching as so many people do. Uh, but fortunately, my parents are all, and my, my family, grandmothers, aunts, they're all educators. So it didn't um, fall out of my scope. I wasn't upset about being a, uh, as being an English teacher. Uh, but, you know, you do look at the fact that many people who come up, come up to Japan with uh, various backgrounds, professional backgrounds, usually if they don't come in as an expat uh, and a job company brings them in, a lot of times they find themselves teaching English in order to uh, remain in the country. So that was one of the things that I did. Okay. And then when you left, was there any pushback from your family and friends about your decision to leave the divided states? And how did you deal with that? Well, uh, no, you know, we kept telling them two years, two years. And, you know, of course, you know, everyone's like, hey, it's been two years. You need to come back home. Um, but I will tell you, I didn't think we were going to be here this long. And actually, um, when a moment that I was actually planning to go home, um, we had been here for a while and it was after, and it was when I got pregnant. And when I found out that, uh, I was having a son, uh, it was just too much that was going on in the United States. And I just mm. knew, okay, we are going to make Japan our home for now. You know what I mean? Because it, I did not want to take my son into that environment of just knowing that he may be walking to school and may not come home. You know, one of the great yeah. things. You know, great things about being in Japan is that, you know, there are no, there are guns, but not among people. We don't have guns, you know? So basically uh, if you're going to fight, you're going to fight with your wrist. I mean, you know, with your, your, your fist, you're going to fight, you know, some people uh, more than likely it's a very safe country. And if you hear any expat or especially um, African-Americans or just those of the, wow. of the diaspora, you're going to hear the one of the main reasons that they say is because Japan is a safe country. You know, they don't right. have issues. And that That's, was one of yeah. the factors for me to stay. That's a huge selling point, especially when you have uh, a black son, particularly. Um, what are some of the benefits of parenting overseas? Oh, girl. First of all, <laughs> when I had my son, I um, end up having, well, Japan pays about 70%. You don't have to pay 30% when, the, when you have a child because they're encouraging people to have, have children. And then, but because I had a C-section, um, I ended up having him and they paid 100%. They considered it- wow. Emergency surgery. So I pay absolutely nothing for Jonas to be born. And actually, I end up getting uh, about $800 back. They paid me to have my child. And then uh, they gave, I remember one day, um, I, my, I, my son joined the community uh, like play group. 
And then because you register your child and then Japan also uh, pays the bills for your hospital stay, they have your bank account number. So when I joined the community uh, play group, they pay your bills for your hospital stay. Yeah. Mm, Yes, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So literally after that, uh, they we got a, like $600 in our bank account. And I was going like, what is this for? And so they give you $600 to say, thank you for letting your kids play with other kids in the community in the play group. I'm going like, are you paying me for me? Like literally some of the things uh, that they do, it was like, this should be uh, common sense. Universal, yeah. yeah it should be. I was in the hospital for, t- you know, usually patients stay for, mothers stay for about seven days. Uh, I was in the hospital for 10 days because of just the C-section. However, what they do is they will, um, they, it's not just staying, they train you how to do everything. They teach you how to uh, do breastfeeding. They teach mm. the fathers how they teach the fathers and the mother how to give the, uh, the bath to the baby and how to dress them, how to change their diaper, how to uh, mix formula. If you're going to use formula, if you're going to, they teach you how to be a mother or how to at least do the, uh, the beginnings and uh, prepare you to go home. They don't just say, hey, you've had a baby it's out. Go home. Go to the house. No, they want to wow. be OK. So though and then they give you all these discounts that you can go to the store Uh, to make sure that, you know, you have like diapers or uh, it's so many things that they did. So the first after um, he was born, then you uh, they will send out a social worker to everyone's home. It doesn't matter. They want to make sure that the mother is coping for the first six months. Wow. Six months. They make sure that you're okay, not going through postpartum depression. They may often do they come like monthly. Yeah, monthly. They monthly. They, wow, they, that's amazing. And they have classes to teach you how to make baby food from scratch. Um, all types of things that they teach you how to do. So for having a baby, I would do it again in Japan. I would. Hands down. Girl, yeah. That's, oh, my goodness. A lot of people do have questions about that, like that um, are considering going overseas and to have kids or wishing to become pregnant that's good to know Healthcare outside of the divided states though is amazing i've had similar experiences like things that would be very expensive in the united states just 100 percent covered just just on the strength of being a resident not even like my uh my like my job insurance yeah yes. that's great so yes. how would you describe your overall quality of life in japan and do you see yourself ever returning to the divided states um, I don't think right now I want to go home and visit family. Um, I still love America because America is home. Um, and you know, I'm a, I'm a plus size girl. I miss not being able to go shopping for, you know, good clothing because everybody's supposed to be small and have small feet. So you can't really find good shoes. Uh you know, I miss those kinds of things, but compared to the life that we've built, um, I will be here. And if we do retire, I don't think I would necessarily retire back in the United States. Mm-hmm. I feel you 100 percent. 
So I was watching this video and you said um, after you got pregnant with your son, you was like, I love Japan, but I need some food. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was the impetus behind um, opening your restaurant, the Soul Food House. What kind of food do you actually have on your menu? Girl, straight up soul food. I uh, have catfish and mac and cheese, country fried steak, country fried chicken and gravy, biscuits, um, black eyed peas, greens, uh, fried okra, cornbread, all the all the stuff. <laughs> Girl, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness, you are yeah. you are such a southern lady. I love it. She was like, "Girl, <laughs> I love it." Something to remind me of Loretta Divine. <laughs> <laughs> so it uh waited two weeks here <laughs> <laughs> it was literally one of the moments that i was just like really y'all uh japan is good it's sushi all right but i need some home food <laughs> shoot but i have to thank my mother for that again because literally she came over here and it was the fir- after the first year i was well within the first year i was uh, moved to japan and at that point I was just like uh, missing the food even at that point. And um, I didn't know what to do because I couldn't find the ingredients. You know, we get all used to having our conference, our comforts of the supermarkets that are around. And then Mm -hmm. you don't really know what certain ingredients are. My mama came over here and that child, I tell you, she made, she went down these one of happy roads where they have all the fresh vegetables and the markets and stuff like that. She came home and made this, this spread. And I asked her, I was like, mama, how did you do that? And she just looked at me and she said, girl, you can cook, so cook. (laughs) (laughs) And I tell you, it was was like the the bell went off, like, ding. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I can cook. And then after that, we had Thanksgiving parties every year for 10 years. Uh, We had, um, I started doing cooking classes. And then my students were just like, my stuff just don't taste like yours. And you should open up a place. And I was going like, yeah, I don't know how much money that is. And I was going, but, you know, they were going like, you really should open up a place. But it wasn't until I got pregnant that I was just like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do this. I need some food from the house. And that's what we did. And it turned out, I wonder how many other people felt like I did. And it turned out a lot of people did. So we opened a restaurant. How long have you been in business now? Uh, Now six years. Wow, that's amazing. So, like, do you have Japanese patrons as well as Black patrons? Yes, yes, yes. We actually, because I did, I did cooking classes for eight years. Uh, and the majority of all my, uh, my, my students were Japanese. And so hmm. being able to build a base up on uh, Japanese clientele is really important because uh, expats and then uh foreigners or however you want to say it we come and we go you know what I mean and that's yeah, one, it's true that's so you want to make sure that when people leave that you still have a leg to stand on so we uh, we have a very strong Japanese base uh, we have a very strong uh, military base and uh, especially expats people who come but once the word got out you know it got out but I tell people all the time you know and they say oh how did you do this 
you know what? You only got one chance to win a heart. And you know how we are. You know, you come yeah. in one time already like, is this real? Who owns this? Is this some Japanese that's in here cooking the food? And then, um, but then when they realize that it really is the taste of home, don't nobody overseas, don't nobody care about food, the, uh, the fusion, anything or making it. They just want a taste of home. Right. And, you know what I mean? They don't care if... Uh, you know, they just want that taste. I'm gonna leave it like that. But so, and you only have one chance to capture a heart. When they taste it the first time, it's gonna de- determine whether or not they come back again. And you know, we ain't coming back if it ain't got no. <laughs> That's that part, girl. That part. <laughs> so, I mean, I saw you have like you even have grits on the menu. Where are you sourcing grits in Japan? Girl, that's a secret right there. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you got it though. I was like, oh, she's not, she's not playing because there's no grits in South Africa. I gotta eat. Uh, I use polenta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you put enough butter and cheese on anything, and you know, any grain, it'll taste like some grits. It will. <laughs> it will. <laughs> that it will, girl. That it will. But you know, um, no, I I do have some people who bring it, uh, ship it into the country for me because even grits in the United States have gotten a little bit uh, expensive, and uh, just simply because I'm not sure if the supply is um, is changing or whatever. We used to, um, I people always ask me. Um, what is it that you want? Like if people are taking their vacations and stuff like that and they're going like, oh, what is it that you want? Um, and I always tell them, bring me some grits and some Kool-Aid, whatever you Girl, need. Every <laughs> time I get grits delivered. Yeah. My yes. friends send me grits all the time. Grits and Girl yes. Scout cookies. You got to. You got to because you know what? You, have, you can get grits in Japan. You can get them on Amazon. But when you start looking at them charging, like the prices are crazy. Yeah, the prices are crazy. So, you know, I can't do that on a regular prices, but you yeah, have we have people who support us to make sure that we get the grits. Yeah, that's good. And you mentioned those military bases. This is an aside. But girl, those AFIS contracts on the military bases, Mm-mm-mm-mm. that's the lid. Yeah, it that's is. the lid. We, we have people all the time that say, hey, can you open up a place, you know, near the base or on the Girl, base? You would make a killing like on that. the base. Yeah, you would make a you know, killing. Yes. You know, and I look at it sometimes, but, you know, I'm like, do I? I wouldn't even be able to sleep if I came out there near y'all. Y'all need to travel. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people when they're on the military base, Sometimes they don't really go anywhere. They just stay within their immediate circle. You know what I mean? Of the comforts of the base or around the base. Right. They have to, uh, when they come and trust me, when I say I am so grateful and thankful to the military because we out when the military went on lockdown uh, and they were on lockdown for about a year, we felt that thing. We felt it. Now that's when we felt our pocket. But when they opened back up, when they opened back up, they were at Soul Food House and they continued to support and come to Soul Food House. Oh, uh, that's great. That it was, it. I can't even put words to how grateful I am to the military. They're just wonderful people that continue to say, hey, we here and as long as we here, we're going to support you. So if we went there, I'll be dead, girl. I'll be like, ooh, y'all, I ain't got no more greens. Leave me alone. <laughs> I ain't got no more greens. I'm sorry, we just ran out of mac and cheese. They might cause a riot. Oh, Lord. 
<laughs> so what was what was the experience like like opening a business in Japan? Ah, goodness, man. That was uh quite crazy actually. Uh we it took us a couple of years to actually try to open the business. We were uh my husband was doing an open mic and once that place was uh closing, uh we decided we were going to open like a, uh, just a regular cafe and trying to find a space was really hard. You know, uh, people are always surprised when we tell us, but when we tell this, but people told us um, if we really wanted to open a place, he and I needed to get a divorce uh, and marry Japanese because. What? Yes, 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 yes. It's always, um, how did I say this? It's easier. uh, Yeah, it's just easier that way because they believe you have that uh that japanese guarantor or that person that's going to be there to support you and i had one guy who came and say hey this is uh david will always be your husband but this will be your boyfriend he'll be the person to make sure that you stay okay and then you know i'm sitting up here nice ain't no bad ideas you know what i mean but i'm sitting up here like no thank you but still i literally um we we decided it's very hard to open a restaurant as foreign as a foreign foreign you know to two people uh both not being natives of the country and then you add being you know being black on top of that you know what i mean that was just a whole nother element uh there was a a guy his name was marcus he's the one who he found out he had brain cancer and he wanted uh mm. someone to come in and uh take over his space that would take uh take care of his staff uh he knew that he was going to pass away and we agreed to that. Uh, there was some conversation that had that just kind of, we just kind of uh, clicked and knew that this was the right relationship with us. And so uh, we took over. And at some point, the the owners of the company, of the of the real estate property of, uh, that we were in came in and they were just like, okay, um, we're going to give you a chance. And then he passed away and then they gave us they, but they they end up giving us a chance to be able to do it. And on top of this, how about this? Our guarantor is also black. Wow. So we black. That we was black. divine. We black, black. Was very <laughs> divine. Yeah, very black, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's a, he's a permanent residency, uh, resident here of Japan. Uh, and now he actually just nationalized. Uh, so now he's Japanese. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. You know he's that's trying a to whole other conversation. How yes. did he manage to do that? Yes. There's some countries where that's easy. Asian countries really don't make that very easy. That's an amazing feat. He did it. And uh yeah, he's uh been our guarantor. We're grateful to him. Um and yeah, it's it's been good. So last year um you founded the Legacy Center. Can you tell us more about that project? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, we found it's uh, called Legacy Foundation Japan. And so one of the things that uh, uh, for the last couple of years, uh, when you get a chance to be in Sofu House, you meet so many people from all over, um, so many beautiful forms of Blackness, of just beautiful people that are doing their thing and they're doing it well, doing it in excellence. But we all didn't know each other. It was just like, you know, you had movie directors, you had doctors and lawyers and teachers and, you know, artists and just so many people that were just doing. I've had so many people to make business deals 
bills at Soul Food House. And I'm talking about like million dollars, 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 uh, bills, you know, of uh, deals sitting at the table. And it was just like, hey, Tanya, do you know somebody? And I was like, hey, don't you do this? And he was going like, well, yes, I do. And then they, I connected them. And because they trusted us, they trusted them and end up making a couple of million to make this deal for, uh, you know, people that were coming over. So we wanted to create a platform to, uh, to bridge those communities because we're here, but all of us don't know each other. And now we're beginning to know what more of the excellences that, the, that are residing here in Japan. And so we wanted to be able to create something, like I said before in the beginning, here I am uh, with all with my degrees, uh, but the only job that I could get was as a uh, was as an English teacher, and I'm not knocking it because it was my blessing. But then I outgrew it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, was, uh, I outgrew it, and I knew I wanted to do something more. But what we what we're striving to do is to be able to create a platform where you don't have to recreate your will if you want to come in and uh, start businesses. You don't, you know, if I'm out to change the laws, girl, I want to change it because I put Oh, you way. are not playing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not playing. When you're, when you're in, when you're overseas and when you're in Asia, and I'll say in Asia and in particularly in Japan, a lot of times certain uh, ethnicity, eth- ethnicities or nationalities are grouped into certain jobs. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, if yeah. you're from this country, then you will um, you can be an English teacher. If you're this, you'll be a factory worker. If this this if you look Asian, then you can work in a supermarket. You know what I mean? So there are certain jobs that are open to certain people. And what I'm saying is if I'm qualified, you have re- Japan, you have resources that are here. You have people who are living here that are qualified to be able to do the things that you're looking for. And COVID has actually opened those doors to say who's in Japan. So what I want to do is those mindsets of look, hey, we are your excellence and look at us as well. You don't have to ask other people who are not African-American, who are not black, what is it like to come do a cultural diversity class for someone who don't even know what it feels like to be us, but they may have dated somebody. I'm sorry. But <laughs> right. right. <laughs> we are your authority. So my thing is they did when George Floyd died last year, um, they ended up doing a, uh, a NHK, which is our uh national um, TV program, they end up doing something that they uh, told, they were trying to explain Japan why Americans or why African-Americans were angry. And so it was totally, totally based upon stereotypes and completely wrong. It got so (laughs) much... (laughs) <laughs> he got so many complaints that they pulled it. They made an apology. Everything. So what I'm saying is, is Legacy Foundation Japan is here. And then if you need educated people from across the globe to be able to tell you why we're angry, then we are your authority. We are writing our own narratives. You know what I mean? So I'm one of those people that you know we've been going through so much over the years. And people may not agree with me, but one of the things that I say is that, hey, we've been having our hands out for so long saying, accept me, recognize me. Hey, you got to recognize yourself first. 
You know, that you got to yourself first. So instead of having your hand out to apologize, to accept, to recognize, how about going on that journey? You remember when I said in the beginning that you have to, my mother would say, remember who you are? I'm saying mm-hmm. Legacy Foundation is the opportunity to say, hey, let's first discover, take that journey to know who you are so you can remember who you are. So that's basically what this is. Oh, I love I love this platform. Uh, so what's what is the biggest lesson that you have learned about stepping outside of your comfort zone? Mm. You know, I have learned that it is OK to be me. Do you know what I mean? A lot of times uh, we are. Um, Japan tends to celebrate uh, our culture and um, blackness. You know, it doesn't matter if you're from Jamaica. It doesn't matter if you're from America or Africa. It doesn't matter Brazil. They pretty much celebrate all forms of blackness. And when they ask me to teach or a cooking class or sing a, uh, teach a gospel class, they always ask me, you know, what does this mean? What does this come from? What is the story behind it? And they help me to actually go back and research who I am. And so when you got people who really love who you are, but a lot of times it can be based upon stereotypes, but then you begin to educate yourself of who you are. Then, and realize that other people are really seeing what who you are, what you do, your culture is beautiful. Not everybody but there are people who are doing that. Then you begin to recognize how wonderful that you are. How about trusting yourself and realizing that there are, there is beauty, there is greatness in you, despite, you know, any bad thing that may have happened, you know, we can keep focusing on our past. If your past was bad, we can't keep, you know, reliving that thing. We got to trust and look at who we are. And if you don't like something, hey, take the steps to start saying, okay, uh, I can be a better me. And how can I do that? Take it. In. And I've learned to make um, the, every opportunity a learning opportunity. Now, I'm not perfect. And I still cry over different things. And sometimes I still say, oh, did I do that right? Or uh, how did it look all right? But, you know, when I, I, re- I had to write my my bio, another, just a short one, not too long ago. And when I looked at and wrote down who I was and I'm going like, dang, I do all that. Cause I just live it. I didn't really think what I do. I just live and do what I do. And then when, you know, what I want to do is just be my true authentic self. And sometimes when you are starting that journey, you don't know what that's going to look like, but the only way to find out, what what that's going to look like is to step out and actually do it is to actually try and find out who are you you know you don't know it until you take that journey but it takes a leap of faith to say i'm going to try to find me love me be me and then celebrate that thing because you want to know one of the reasons that i'm happy in japan one of the reasons that i'm absolutely happy because i'm authentically myself I don't, mm. I'm not going to look at, you're not going to uh, find me one day 
talking in a different voice or trying to be somebody else. I am the same today, tomorrow, and just whoever. I forever am, mode. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I am basically myself. But you know what? I'm still on a journey finding out what all of that means. So I'm not finished. You know what I mean? I, it's, my story is still continuing. So, yeah. But if I can come from people telling me I'm a dark-skinned woman, and when I was a little child, you know, I had people who told me, hey, you're not going to be anything because of the color of my skin. And they were going, oh, you're too dark or you're too this and you're too that. And I used to think that my skin color was too dirty or that I was not good enough. And that came from my community. You know what I mean? And oh. I was like, I, so coming from that kind of situation and then seeing who I am now. I, you know, it's one of those things that you can't let people define you no matter who they are. You know, even if family members don't can't see you, you got to step out and just kind of recognize it's hard, but you got to step out and say, hey, I'm going to take that journey to find out who I am. And more than likely it's more than what other people saw in you and what you think or what you even thought of yourself. There's That's a fact. Yes, there is greatness in all of us. We just got to take turn the mirror around and then look at it. Not what every not what everyone else's voices, not what everyone else's opinion, but really see what you see. And if it starts out like, but I can't see the beauty, then speak it into yourself. Speak it until you can see that you are wonderful, that you are amazing. That's what you got to keep doing. Speak it until you see it. Amen. Girl, you took us to church. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so what advice do you have for Black women that are thinking about taking the leap and joining this Black Broads Abroad expat community? You know, um, it's scary at first. <laughs> it is. But, you know, if you're really thinking about doing it, um, just take a leap of faith, but I will say, prepare yourself, do the research on what country that you're, that you're moving to make, you know, make sure that you're prepared. Um, you know, I, t when my students are getting ready to leave to go to another country, I even go as far as to say, Hey, for the first six months, you need to pack that goodie box of all the things that you think you going <laughs> that you're going to need. You know what I mean? Um, I remember like, uh, like you don't you don't know if you're going to be able to find that Twix or that sneaker. You don't know if you're going to be able to find <laughs> it takes a moment. It takes a moment to actually get acclimated. I always tell people to bring their medicines, you know what I mean, to make sure that, you know, the first six months when you're in somewhere, your body is used to American medicine. So the Japanese medicine for me was a little bit too weak. But now the J American medicine is too strong for me now that I've been here for a minute. So research how much is going to cost. Uh, research the cost of living in different places, the jobs and stuff like that, you know, um, and then if you are prepared in that way, you know, then trust yourself, it's going to be okay. But when you get there, find a community, find people that are, uh, that can, re you know, relate to you so that you can have a support system when you are overseas. And if you don't have that there, at least uh, find people that you are uh, back home, that uh, you know, and that you'll still be able to be in that co that communication room. There was a brother that I met. His name is Julian. When Julian moved to Japan, 
he uh he set up a meeting he's a kappa so he set up a meeting with the kappas he set up a meeting with uh the big brother system it was a whole bunch of stuff that he was doing but he made sure that he found his communities so he can mm-hmm. find us so i would say hey whatever whoever you know the alumni of his school that he went to he really i want him to be a speaker to just say these are some of the things that you do because if you sit at home and you just go to work and go home go to work and go home that thing ain't gonna work after a while you need more you need to live your life i'll always say find a way to thrive don't find a way just to live enjoy your experience put yourself out there because you you don't know how long that's gonna last and if you're here for one year or two year then you know what enjoy yourself you know make it don't just stay at home because you're afraid to try something new you try when you stepped off the plane you made that decision to try something new so go all the way that's good advice so what is next for latanya and where can people keep up with your journey on social media oh girl do i do social media that's my husband <laughs> So funny. Uh, basically, everything that I have for social media is on uh, so Sofu House. Um, yeah, just SofuHouse.com or Sofu House on Instagram, on um, all of the social network, Twitter, everything. But what's next for me? Um, so much. I, there, there are a couple of things that I'm actually uh, got in the network. I'm with the foundation. I want to uh, build Legacy House. Um, Legacy House will be where we can build a community space that has uh, museums, libraries, uh, that has dance centers, pools, gymnasium, basketball courts, uh, not just in Tokyo, but it'll start in Tokyo, but I would like to be able to have it outside of Tokyo as well, simply because um, we there are certain things about our culture uh, certain things about us, you know, we, you know, we talk smack on the, on the basketball court, you know what I mean? We, there, you know, when we play in dominoes or when we play in spades or something like that, uh, or being able to be able to have that conversation when, uh, like, for example, why don't we want to move back to the, to the United States at this point? You know what I mean? Why is it that we prefer to live overseas? And there are, there are a lot of people who are like that. Uh, but why is that? But sometimes you need to have that conversation in your own language with people that understand who you, what you're talking about and being able to create that space to have those conversations. But um, we have a, in Japan, they call it a half, uh, which are basically uh, a person who may have Japanese parent and then a parent of another nationality. So basically uh, uh, African-American or uh, Japanese mom, uh, black dad, um, and then vice versa, any other nationality. But you've come to find out there are a lot of people who hate their other half that doesn't make them 100% Japanese. So to be able to provide spaces to say, hey, you are Japanese and you are black, you're, you know, you're Afro-Japanese, but I want you to be able to love and appreciate every aspect of yourself. So uh, that's mainly um, 
what my heart is right now is creating that space where you can find that people can appreciate every aspect of who they are, especially for the half community. And I hate that terminology, but um, in that, and then we've been offered an opportunity to open up a restaurant in Dubai. So we are thinking of whether or not. Oh, that would be dope. That would hit in Dubai. Yeah. So we're trying to decide whether or not we're going to take that opportunity. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where we are. And then, yeah, just like I said, social media, we are on all platforms. Just look at Soulful House uh, um, through those. We are at SoulfulHouse.com, uh, Soulful House on Twitter and uh, Instagram, LegacyFoundation.com. Uh, and please check us out. And then we have our uh, the legacy on uh fjp that are our uh what is it facebook uh twitter instagram so you'll be able to find us there as well shout out to our patreon members for your support if you too are interested in joining the black broads abroad movement you can follow us on social media and that's b-l-a-c-k B-R-O-A-D-S. That's on Instagram and Facebook. And if you'd like to become a supporter on Patreon, you can do so on patreon.com backslash Black Broads Abroad. Mm-hmm.